It was tough to watch Armando Baycott watch his teammates lose to Virginia Tech on Sunday. But it's all good. He'll be back, right? Back for Georgia Tech on Saturday? Uh, not so fast, I'm afraid. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, December 6th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I am your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for making us your first listen or watch so that you can get your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks, a gift from the heart that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence knowing that today you're ordering the very best. Visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Oh man, we got a great show coming up today. We're going to pre a brand new segment coming up for you. It's called Heel of the Week, Heel of the Week. I'll explain it more, but it's going to be fun. I don't know why I've never thought of it before, but I'm so excited. Uh, The football portal is going, the transfer portal is going crazy. We're going to look at that. Carolina is officially out of the AP poll. We're going to talk about that. But before we got to get to those things, we got to unpack some potentially troubling news. And I say potentially in that way because we don't really know. And that surrounds Armando Baycott's uh, status and availability. He went into the game at Indiana last Wednesday. Um, and everyone knew he had this lower body injury. And so that's the big concern, but very early in the game sustained some kind of shoulder injury. We believe it was on a play where he's going for an offensive rebound and a, and a Hoosier kind of bends his arm back. And as you watch that game, you notice Baycott kind of, you know, messing with his shoulder throughout the game was in and out. And, um, man, it's just tough couple games for him, right? That's right on the heels of the the Alabama four overtime game where he was out with that uh, tweaked ankle and and foul trouble and other stuff. And so, you know, I, I kind of thought, man, that that's tough, but you finish that Indiana game. I thought he would not tough it out. I don't want to make it sound like he's not tough, but be ready to go for Virginia tech. He went through warmups was a game time decision and ultimately pulled himself out of that game. And then I thought, ah, listen, I get that. You've had this long stretch of road games, a bunch of games in a row. You're at Indiana, but from Indiana, you essentially, if you don't play at Virginia Tech, that's a week and a half off before Georgia Tech at home this coming Saturday. And so I was like, ah, that makes a ton of sense. We'll get Mondo back. Um, But that news isn't necessarily what the news is that we're getting. The, The hoped for news is not what we're hearing. Armando himself said, uh, kind of coming out of the game, there's no clear timeline on his return from what is being called a bruised by what he said, right shoulder. And and that's great news because it's not, that means it's not strained or, or sprained. There's no like ligament issues, you know, like socket weird stuff. So that is some great news. But the bad news is that he hasn't practiced since the injury. He's been in pain that he's been dealing with now. I, I haven't heard reports yet from practice on Monday or, or you know, um, when you're watching this on Tuesday, if if he's practicing leading up to the Georgia Tech game and, and he won't necessarily have to practice to be able to play at Georgia Tech. 
Um, I think the coaching staff will leave that up to his discretion as they did at Virginia Tech. And and so let me just give you a couple quotes to help kind of frame this up a little bit more. Armando himself said, quote, I just wasn't comfortable. I hadn't practiced all week since the Indiana game. I've just been in pain and I was going to see what I could do, even if I could just be able to shoot layups or something. My shoulder was too stiff, so I couldn't really do anything. And so he's saying, listen, if I can go out there and be 60, 75% of myself, I'm going to do it and that'll be great. But after going through warmups, just decided that he couldn't. And, and it's clear from Coach Davis's comments, the coaching staff thought Armando was going to play in this Virginia Tech game. And they kind of weren't ready for that reality. Um, so this really was a game time decision and one that I, it sounds like the coaching staff thought would go a different way than it did. Here's what Coach Davis said, and I quote, We didn't know until game time. I was going under the assumption that he would play, and when he came back and he said he didn't feel like he could, then we move forward. So I, I'm imagining, I mean, they're they're not dumb or decided. The coaching staff obviously has other options um, in their bag for like, okay, we know that Armando's potentially hurt. If he can't go, what do we do? Well, <laughs> Obviously, we saw what happened. Puff Johnson was in the starting lineup with the other usual four starters in this game. And, and so that's what happened. And so, um, man, this this is this is potentially something like if this is long lasting, you've lost. Who projects to be the most like the the best rebounding Tar Heel ever in terms of how many rebounds he has and like easily should blow by Tyler Hansborough's number if he plays this entire year. Um, you're looking at somebody coming off of setting the single set, like blowing by, I should say, Bryce Johnson's single season, Carolina's single season rebounding record. And so, man, this is a massive piece that you're missing if he's unable to go. Now, obviously, if, if there are a couple games here where he can't play, you look at Georgia Tech, who's next, and then the Citadel a week from today, a week from Tuesday. Um, those are games that you probably should win even without Armando Baycott. And so, you know, if you got to rest him for another couple of weeks, maybe it is an opportunity because then you can grow some depth, um, help the team not rely on him as much as, as they typically do. The problem is this team really isn't relying on him. They're relying more on Caleb Love and RJ Davis right now, or at least, you know, based on their play, that's what's happening. And so, Ah man, you hope that there can be some potential good out of this, but it it is very much. Hear me, this is a wait and see approach on Armando Baycott. So uh, I wish I had better news, but that's where we're at. Take it one day at a time. I'll let you know as I hear stuff. Next thing, it is official. The North Carolina Tar Heels are unranked, as as everyone expected, following, I think if they had beaten Virginia Tech, it would have been interesting to see if maybe they stayed in like on the back end um, after the loss at Indiana, because you, you can't really fault a team for losing at Indiana. But this is just the fifth poll of the season, and Carolina is out of it after starting the year at preseason number one. And, and if you listen to Monday's show, you heard me say this, but let me say it again now that it's definitive and a real thing. Carolina, in the 75-year history of the AP poll, is just the sixth preseason number one to drop out of the poll at some point during the year. Just six of the other 60, what would that be, 69 teams, they have all stayed in the poll somewhere the entire season, and, and multiples of them have 
run the gamut as number one the entire season. Um, and by the way, Carolina is in the in the twenty five team poll in the twenty five team poll era. The AP used to have fewer teams twenty at one season and ten at another season. It actually started with twenty teams in the forty eight forty nine season. Carolina is just the third team since it's expanded to twenty five teams. Um, to not to to start preseason number one and go unranked. The others were Kentucky in 13-14. They fell out in the 19th poll in Michigan State in 1920, who fell out in the 15th poll. And so, dude, like Carolina is the earliest team preseason number one team in the modern AP poll era to fall out of the top 25. Some would say, and I would be some, hey, it's a setback with a big response coming. And, and I still am all in on that. Um, I, and several of you have put some interesting comments in today. Somebody said, I'm the, I'm the, uh, violin player standing on the Titanic and I'm going to be the positive voice until the last second when it goes down. And, and if somebody's got to do it, I am happy to be that right alongside coach Davis. Um, and, and I, it's not blind optimism. I legitimately look at this team and believe there is reason for optimism. So just hear that. But here's some fun news. Carolina did receive one single solitary vote in this week's A people. So I would love for you to go find this dude and blow him up like in a good way. Like, hey, you're the Carolina voter. So his name is David Thompson from the Fayetteville Observer. And so he was the lone AP voter to vote for the Tar Heels this week. You absolutely love it. Well, the AP poll is not the only metric that is out and released. The NCAA's net rankings were released on Monday for the first time this season. And spoiler alert, this metric doesn't love the Tar Heels or the rest of the ACC for that matter. Where exactly do the Tar Heels fall? Aha. I'll tell you about it in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by Omaha Steaks. Oh man, I can taste it right now. The holidays are here and you can achieve gifting greatness when you give the gift of perfectly aged, tender and delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together special curated gift packages to help take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. So go to omahasteaks.com and use code locked on at checkout to get $30 off your order. You can send an assortment of mouthwatering favorites guaranteed to impress, like the legendary butcher's cut filet mignon, air chilled boneless chicken, ultra juicy burgers, and even easy to prepare comfort meals ready in a flash. And when I read those names, it helps me like a, a, a perfectly cooked steak is my favorite thing to eat on the planet. And I often have trouble at home getting that perfection, but I've seen it be really successful with Omaha Steaks. And so I'm so grateful that they are one of our sponsors here on the Locked On Network. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. So shop early, beat that shipping rush, go to omahasteaks.com, use promo code Locked On at checkout. It's the perfect gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered with every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you're ordering the very best. So again, visit omahasteaks.com and use promo code LOCKEDON at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order, and a minimum order may be required. Okay, so the net rankings from the NCAA are out for the first time, and this is the NCAA's um, proprietary metric that is just from them. You know, there's all these computer numbers 
uh, Ken Palm and Evan Mia and um, Bart Torvik and Sager and all these. But this is the one directly from the NCAA that they're looking at chiefly um, to, to help decide and determine uh, a lot of um, things when it comes to like ranking when we get to March Madness. And so while um, I know people get tired of the hashtag quad talk, that's that's what I call it. Because what this this net ranking does is it groups all 363 D1 teams into one of four quadrants. And it, it depends on where the, your opponent is ranked and whether you're playing home, on the road, or a neutral site. And so I'll break all that down for you in just a second because you probably need a primer because it's been a, uh, a minute since we've talked about it. But first, the, the Tar Heels are 39th in this metric. And it's probably where they need to be. I know I said in in the tease that the the net rankings don't love them, but honestly, 39 is probably about right in the pocket of where Carolina should fall right now. Uh, the top five in the net rankings are Houston, UConn, Purdue, Tennessee, and Mississippi State. Uh, I think a lot of people can get behind definitely Houston at one. UConn and Purdue as top five teams. I don't know about two and three, but this this metric is often wonky right out of the gate. And so um, like Tennessee, I believe that they're a top 10 team. They're not number four right now. And Mississippi State uh, is five here, as I just said. They're undefeated, but they shouldn't be in the top five. They're they're top 25 worthy, certainly, but, but they're not fifth in the nation right now. As for the ACC, hey, it's kind of ugly. The highest ranked ACC team in the net rankings is Virginia at ninth. Duke is second at 17th, and then Carolina at 39th is the third highest rated ACC team in the net. So that ain't good. ACC is going to have to get on it and keep growing. Part of the issue is that you got Louisville literally third from the bottom. They're 361st right now in the net. Yikes. The Cardinals still have not won a game. They're one of just four Division I teams in that realm. So as for Carolina, when you look at what they've done, they've played nine games. They're five and four right now. Here's the good news. All four losses are quad one losses. And part of it is when the selection committee is looking at things, they're not necessarily, I mean, they are going to look at like, if your losses in quad one pile up, they got to take that into account, but they're more looking at who did you beat? That's a quad one game. And then in terms of losses, it's more like, did you take bad losses? So quad three, quad four. Quad two is like kind of this middle range where it's like, all right, whatever you did there is great. Um, And so the good news for Carolina is although they have these four losses in a row, all four of them are quad one losses. And so they've taken what we would call good losses. They've not taken any bad losses. And so hopefully all four of those teams continue to play well. Because that's part of the things with these quads is a team can actually shift where they're at, where they're ranked, and that can affect when you played them and whether that win or loss, what quadrant it's in. Of Carolina's five wins, the bad news is that none of the wins are quad one. So far, the three of the wins are quad two, so that's great because a lot of times we'll start talking about how many quad one and quad two wins do you have? One quad three win and one quad four win. And so, man, you think, ah, that's okay, but we're going to get into ACC play and Carolina is going to be able to rack up um, quad one or quad two victories, right? Well, keep in mind, I just said Carolina is the third highest ranked ACC team in this metric and they're only 39th. And so this 
this ranking doesn't love the ACC teams. And so it's going to be hard for Carolina to, to just stockpile a bunch of high level victories. They're going to have to get them where and when they can. So you think about like the upcoming stretch, Georgia tech Saturday is 133rd in the net. Um, and that is a home game. So it's going to be a quad three game. The Citadel, a week from today, they're 256. So that's a very quad four game. And, and it just puts you in a, in a tough spot because it doesn't do you anything to win it. But if you lose it, it is damaging. It is so damaging. And so Carolina cannot take a loss against the Citadel. Good news, though, after that, Carolina travels to Madison Square Garden on December 17th, where they will take on Ohio State. Ohio State's 28th in the net rankings right now, at least. And so that's very much a quad one game. So you need to go win that game. I, You hear me putting pressure on that Ohio State game because I absolutely am. But then you have Michigan in the Jumpman Invitation, Jumpman Invitational. They're only 114th in this ranking. And so right now, that Michigan game is going to be a quad three game. Not all that great to see. And then after that Michigan game, you got your final 18 regular season games are all ACC games. Some of those are going to be a little bit higher level, but some of them just frankly are not because there's there's a lot of uh, low-level ACC teams. Like, you cannot mess around and lose to Louisville or your resume is tanked. That is the issue here. So let me just quickly break down for you what those quads are so you can keep those in mind. Um, In fact, I tweeted them on Monday. So if you're wanting to look at it in real time as I talk about it or go back and reference it, you can find those and maybe screenshot my tweet or something to, to keep it handy. So a quad for a game to qualify as a quad one game. If it's a home game, your opponent has to be ranked one through 30. If it's a neutral game, your opponent has to be ranked 1 through 50. If it's an away game, you get more of a buffer and your opponent has to be ranked 1 through 75. So whichever quadrant your game falls into is all based upon your opponent's ranking and whether it's home, away, or neutral game. For quad two, home is 31 to 75, neutral is 51 through 100, away is 76 through 135. I'm not going to continue going through the other two quadrants, but you get the idea. So you can go look it up and just see where those games fall. Or you can just rely on me to tell you, because I will let you know how Carolina continues to do in this metric. By the way, a big part of this whole conversation for me, both Carolina dropping out of the AP rankings and and the net rankings, is I think preseason polls, both in football and basketball, I just wish it wouldn't happen. I get it. It's a helpful talking point for people like me to have content. But I really wish we could wait to see what a team was actually doing like a month in before we actually started ranking so that there's not preseason bias baked into the rankings and how we move people around. You hear my heart on that. So anyway, that's that's good. So there's those net rankings. We will now be talking about those more because it kind of helps keep tabs on seeding and some other things of that nature. Well, friends, transfer portal season is here and it's getting crazy already. Oh, and by the way, I'm super big mad at an NCAA women's soccer ref heel of the week and the heel of the week. That's all coming up. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar because you got to try this. I'm talking about Built Bar's new reimagined flavors. Listen to these. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, coconut brownie topper, or how about these? White chocolate peppermint granola, 
I want that real bad. Give it to me. It's Bilt's take on the granola bar, so it's more filling and still insanely tasty. And then the fifth new one that's going on right now, the Candy Cane Brownie Puff. Bilt's puffs are like biting into the universe's most delicious cloud. It's so wonderful. So first off, if you haven't tried a Bilt Bar before, they're literally the best tasting protein bar out there on the market. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 great grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and just 130 calories. That's great. So go sink your teeth into that first bite and it'll change you. I'm not kidding. There's going to be a time that you're going to be like, I don't remember a life before I ever tried Built Bars. And the magical, wonderful times afterwards is coming as well. You're probably wondering which new flavor is my favorite. I already told you um, which one mine is. But for a lot of people, they would say, man, I can't answer because they're all so great. And if you can't decide on your own, well, you can go try one of the mixed boxes and get all five of these flavors for yourself. Friends, Built Bar, you got to try this. Get 15% off your order right now by using the code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Okay, a brand new segment. I'm super stoked about this segment, and I want to make it part of the show on an ongoing weekly basis. Usually, I want to do it on Fridays. I think it's a great end of the week kind of segment, but I'm calling it Heel of the Week because I love that, like on one hand, we can talk about it in a positive light, like, hey, this is the Tar Heel of the Week. They've done a great job or had a a massive performance in some sport or thing going on. And so here's what I'm going to ask of you friends, would you start submitting uh, a heel of the week? Somebody you think is deserving of high praise that we can shout out on the podcast. But then on the other hand, we're also going to have a heel of the week. You know, you ever heard some like uh, calling somebody a heel in a negative sense? Like I looked up the definition. Here you go. A heel is a contemptible person, one who is self-centered or untrustworthy. And so what I want to do is I I just think it's kind of hilarious to point out when people are being dumb or idiots. And so I want to shout out a heel of the week in a good way, but then also we're going to laugh at our heel of the week. And so in the same way that I'd love for you to submit some, some tar heels of the week, I want you to submit like maybe some stories you've read or seen on the internet that could be somebody that we shout out as the negative, like heel of the week going on. So for today, it's both actually coming out of the same vein. Our very first heel of the week is actually the heels of the week, and that is Carolina women's soccer team who fell literally 16 seconds shy of winning the national championship on Monday night against UCLA. Carolina had built a 2-0 lead in this match, and with about 15 minutes to go, they're cruising. UCLA gets a gold to make it 2-1 with about 10 minutes left, and then they get this corner with literally under a minute left, and uh, UCLA kicks it. It's a beautiful corner. Honestly, it, it ended up getting like shouldered in, not even headed in. But I think even if the the other UCLA player hadn't touched it, it looked like it was going in, which is crazy. And so, um, unfortunately, Carolina went on to lose in overtime. Three two said they are the national runners up. Still one of the greatest dynasties UNC women's soccer in all sports of all time. But so so heels of the week. The women's soccer team, great job, Coach Hanson Dorrance and and ladies. So proud of you, even though you didn't pull off the championship. What a run. Make sure you go give the ladies some love. But in this same match is my heel of the week in the negative sense. Because on this game match tying goal with 16 seconds left, 
on the corner. Go back and watch the replay if you haven't already. A UCLA player is basically pushing our goalie into the net where she can't get out and punch the ball away or snag it. Meanwhile, UCLA is able to get up and, and get this ball into the net. And apparently, that's not a reviewable play in NCAA women's soccer. What are we doing if we can't look at that and call a foul on an obvious foul play? So my heel of the week in the negative sense is this referee. Woof. You are not on my good list. So the heels of the week, the women's soccer team, the heel of the week, the woman refereeing this game. Uh, basically, and I, I, this is not a stretch to say, costing the women a national championship by not making this foul call because then there's just 16 seconds left. Carolina kicks it down the pitch and, and ball game. Ugh. Okay, on to, on to football matters because I don't want to get any more hot and broiled over that. Carolina's bowl game has been announced. If you haven't already, for football, that is, if you haven't already seen the information, it's the Holiday Bowl. Carolina is going to be heading out west to San Diego to play this game at Petco Park. That's where the Padres play. So one of those interesting games at a baseball stadium. Um, Carolina will be playing the Oregon Ducks. Uh, so that'll be fun. Some some great history on the hardwood against Oregon recently. Uh, Armando Baycott's season high of his freshman year was against them. And also, you'll obviously remember Carolina beat Oregon thanks to a few timely free throw offensive rebounds in the 2017 Final Four on their way to the National Championship game. Anyway, this is a game against Oregon, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, December 28th. On Fox, we're used to all of the all, all of the uh, bowl games being on ESPN, but Fox has some of the rights now and will have this one. Uh, one of the big questions we have to always ask in this day and age is: Are there any opt outs for people who are draft prep or you know transfers, any of that stuff? We'll have to wait and see. I'm sure there will be. Like I'm guessing, Josh Downs is going to be out for this and preparing for the draft. We'll wait to see, but anything current that I would say to you is speculation, and so I don't I don't want to start naming that at this point. As for transfers, that's where things are getting wacky right now because the transfer portal is open. And so, it, listen, I had somebody reach out and ask me on Twitter, like, hey, what's your reaction to all this buzz about Carolina guys going into the portal? And my reaction is it's an epidemic all over the nation. There are going to be over a thousand players in the transfer portal. It's just the reality of the time we live in. And so my reaction is, yeah, us too, right? Like it's literally everyone. And so right now I'm not going to touch on everyone in the transfer portal for Carolina because there would be too many, but here are a couple key pieces that I want to note. First off is Jacoby Criswell. This is probably the biggest no-brainer everyone saw. I mean, as soon as he lost the quarterback battle with Drake May, I, I think the writing was on the wall that at come season's end, Jacoby Criswell would be transferring. My guess is he will go home and play for the Arkansas Razorbacks, which would be great because that's my neck of the woods and I could go see him play. Um, interestingly enough, uh, that's where uh, Jace Reuter is right now and was able to get in against LSU and almost help the Razorbacks to a comeback. So a uh, little Carolina pipeline down to Fayetteville, Arkansas then. But here's why I bring up Chriswell first. I, I don't have any insider information on this, but would Jacoby Chriswell be transferring if Drake May was going to take an NIL deal and go somewhere else? Maybe he still would transfer. But if I'm Jacoby Chriswell... I'm thinking, man, if, if Drake May's leaving, I got a shot at this thing. But on the other hand, he's been passed over a couple times now. And so maybe there's this, hey, I'm never going to start in Chapel Hill. Uh, but I, I'm just watching that, trying to read between the lines and saying, like, 
I, I know some of Drake's comments have been a little like, what? Seriously? But I, I wouldn't get too worried about it. Uh, probably the biggest name in this whole thing is Tony Grimes, one of the biggest recruits in Carolina history, uh, cornerback. And so unfortunately, after his third year here, I mean, it just something just hasn't clicked this year uh, with Tony Grimes and some of the secondary. And so it's one of those where it's like, I, I get it, man. Uh, I w- I've heard some rumblings of maybe Virginia Tech because he's a Virginia kid. And so heading back there. Uh, one of his secondary mates, Cam Kelly, is going to be, um, uh, it sounded like transferring when I first read it. But actually, if you go look and read what he posted, he said transferring or declaring for the NFL draft. So we'll wait and see on that. But here's what I think is really cool about Cam Kelly's decision. He said very specifically, but I will be playing in Carolina's bowl game against Oregon. So excited. Uh, Carolina will get one more game with Cam Kelly. Uh, a couple other big names to know. Ra-Ra Dilworth, linebacker. Um, listen, he sees it. He's going to be stuck behind both Cedric Gray and Power Eccles again next year. Um, and so it's just there, the opportunity is not there for him in a 4-2-5 scheme where you only have two linebackers playing. And so that is what it is. Obviously, Jonathan Kim has already transferred. Uh, or already had mentioned it a while ago, but now can enter into the transfer portal. There's more guys that have already said it, but those are kind of the, the starters or big name uh, backups that, that I want to point out right now. Um, obviously, there will be more to enter the transfer portal, but keep in mind, Carolina is going to get an influx as well. Like this is, this is the game now. This is what we do. So keep eyes out for that. Uh, obviously we don't have a list of names of people who are going to sit out the bowl game yet, but as soon as those start trickling in, I will let you know. And uh, so stay tuned for that. Well, friends, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Coming up tomorrow, our guy Pat Kilby joins me. Always look forward to our midweek chat. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. If you want to submit some heels of the week, you can do it. All the DMs are open. Or you can send us an email, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Hey, for your next listen, I'd like to encourage you to check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Locked On Sports today, available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, we'd love for you to subscribe, hit the like button, comment on the show today. I uh, would love to hear like your thoughts about Armando Baycott, for example. Really appreciate you hanging out with me on a Tuesday talking Carolina sports. Hopefully we got some rebounds coming up. It has been a tough couple weeks all around in Chapel Hill. But hey, remember, it's still always a great day to be at Tar Heel, right? (laughs) Until tomorrow, peace.